Cartels are exploiting Indian reservations to get into America, and our federal government can't be bothered to stop it. Hey, y'all, it's Sarah Carter from The Sarah Carter Show. I just got back from two trips to our southern border, and I want to take you inside a huge hotspot where thousands of migrants are coming into America every day. I was with a member of the National Border Patrol Council when the Border Patrol nabbed multiple illegal migrants who were breaking U.S. law, and I have the exclusive audio. For all this and more, subscribe to The Sarah Carter Show on your favorite podcast app. Dear Todd, I'm a longtime listener to your program, a Republican and a gay man. And I'm writing you to ask, do you think that I should deny myself human love because of who I am? The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. Uh, the great Rush Limbaugh said, and God rest Rush, don't make the show about Rush, make the show about the show. This is not a show about me, it's a show about the family, the listener family, podcast family. And I'm the guy who does most of the talking, so a lot of the questions, well, they're all for me. Uh, but I really don't want to make it about me. I'd rather make it about the topics at hand. So let's just dig into this. Um, Proverbs 27, verse 5 through 6. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. So part of our job is to tell people the truth with grace. This is so hard, particularly on this following topic. Dear Todd, I'm a longtime listener to the radio program and now your podcast. I'm a Republican and a gay man. And I've written to ask you if you think I should deny myself human love because of who I am. You are a great communicator. And I wonder if there's a way you can communicate this to me in a way that doesn't make me feel judged or harmed or told that I have no right for happiness because of who I am. I do love the program, particularly your Fauci impression. I too think it's a bad idea to inject kids with wrong sex hormones and surgery. And a lot of gay people feel the same way. Love the content of the program. Always feel a little bit hurt when this topic comes up. Thank you, Kirk. Kirk, thank you for the note, man. Thank you for calling out the wrongs of injecting children and hormonally altering them. I think that's a difficult thing to do given how the trans ideologists have tried to make pretend that this is something like same-sex attraction. I'm a romantic. And, and, that matters for this discussion. Because I truly, it doesn't come across, I think, on the podcast or on the radio. But 
I, I truly am a romantic. And there's, to prove it, scenes in movies that make me cry every time. Because I have feelings and you have feelings. And your feelings are hurt by my point of view on traditional marriage and on sexuality, I think. Man, it's hard to discuss this. So let me start with, and there's a reason for this. One of the most romantic scenes I've, I've ever seen in a Western. And so Kirk, maybe you and I can agree on Westerns. And then I promise I'll address your, your challenging note face to face, head on, no dodging. This is from a movie that not enough people have seen. It's called Open Range. It's Kevin Costner, Annette Benning. In this scene, uh, it's masterful Western. It has a predictable outcome, and that's the Western template. There's some moments in it that are not predictable and certainly not typical Western fare. In this particular scene, Kevin Costner's had the shootout. He said to kill a bunch of people. He didn't want to come back to being the killer. That's the traditional part of the Western, the reluctant hero. And he has ridden away because he needed to get away. The woman he's talking to here, he had perceived to be someone's wife. It actually turned out to be his sister. Um, she was taken captive in the shooting and Kevin Costner came and killed the man that was holding her. So she had brains splatter all over her. A good period of time has passed. Kevin Costner rides up. She's gardening and that bending is down on the ground. She's gardening and, and she, she turns around and she thinks she sees a familiar horse, but people come to her home for medical treatment. So she doesn't, you know, her, her brother works there. He's a doctor. So it could just be a patient. She senses something behind her. She turns around. I'm in love with you, Sue. Been that way since I first laid eyes on you. Just took me a while to... See things clear. I know I'm not the kind of man you expected to walk up your front walk. And if I was your brother, I wouldn't choose me for you. Charlie. Do you know how old I am? I care how old you are. I'm not a girl anymore. You're the handsomest woman I ever saw. I've had my disappointments, Charlie. Well, I'm not going to be one of them. I never thought I'd live as long as I have, Sue. I guess living the way I have never really mattered. But riding away thinking I was never going to see you again was maybe the, it's maybe the most awful feeling I ever had in my life. gets me every time. Robert Duvall's in the movie as well. And there's another scene between two men in that movie. Kirk. Two men who love each other. And they're about to go into a shootout and Robert Duvall's character, Boss Spearman, has never been in a shootout. Charlie's been in a bunch of them. <laughs> but Charlie says, I can't find this or I'd play it for you. Charlie 
Kevin Costner says to boss Spearman, Robert Duvall, I ain't going to the, I ain't going to my grave boss, not knowing your real name and it ain't boss. So I was just, I need you to tell me your real name boss. Cause I, I, I ain't going to my maker. Just thinking your name boss. I want to know your name in heaven. You tell anybody I got to tell anybody blue bonnet, blue bonnet Spearman. Your name is blue bonnet, blue bonnet Spearman. Don't you spill it. All right, I ain't blue bonnet. I want to know you. You're my brother, and I want to know you. That's also love. Kevin Costner loved that woman. And Boss and Charlie loved each other, and it's a different sort of love. The issue of attraction is something quite different. I don't doubt for a second, Kirk, that you love people. It's the issue of attraction and what to do with that love where we get hung up, where we may disagree, where we do disagree. So I might communicate it to you this way. I say this knowing that what I'm about to say can can hurt feelings, particularly of my wife. Now, this happened long before, long before I met my wife, long, some almost decade before I met my wife. And I've been married to my wife for going on 25, 26 years. We're together. Took a long time, a long engagement. I've never cheated on her and I never will. I was in a relationship as a young man that, that was really special and very hurtful. And it turned out to be a really deceptive. Now, over the years, I've, I've forgiven that. I won't go into detail because it's, it involves another person. So I'm not going to do that. And that hurt me to such a degree that I didn't date for the longest time. I, I, I wouldn't even consider a relationship with a woman. And I got into this pattern and my mom eventually pointed out to me that, that I needed female contact. And so I had these married friends, like married women as friends. And so I had this contact with women, but it was completely safe. Until it wasn't. And again, I'm I'm not going to name names. I will just tell you that there was one woman who was married. And we worked together in business. And we ended up spending some significant time together. And then out of business. Well, we'll just have lunch. And again, this is decades before I met my wife. And after I met my wife, all of the women disappeared. Thankfully. So we then got into this thing where we could finish each other's sentences. And I developed this real love for her, Kirk. I was attracted to her too. And so much hatred do I have for cheating 
I, I, I could never do that physically. One time this woman decided to set me up with her sister. And so she and her sister and this woman's husband and I went on a, on a, a double date. And afterwards, and it turned out like we figured out the sister and I that we didn't have any, what do you say? It's uh, chemistry. So we didn't have any chemistry, but we had fun time. And we were wrapping up the date and had some ice cream. And so this, this woman said to me, so how long have you and my sister been in love? I said, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? She goes, uh, Todd, it's obvious. Being in a room with you two is scary. I said, you're really getting that vibe? She goes, don't lie. I'm going to ask my sister. I said, I've never touched your sister, not once, ever, nor, nor will I. She's married. <laughs> and she said, yeah, she, she didn't like her husband very much. <clears throat> Ultimately, um, I got a job that moved me out of town so we're not going to see each other. So we haven't seen each other in a little while and had this goodbye meeting. And she said to me, how am I going to convince my husband to go visit you? And I said, you're not. You're not. That's not going to happen. So Kirk, I denied myself that. This thing I really wanted. And at the time, it's only because I thought it was morally wrong. And now that I've been discipled and I'm a Jesus needer, I understand it's wrong. Well, I knew it was a sin then. Now I live to try to please the Lord. Not not to earn salvation because we can't but to try to praise God because he's done everything for me. So with, with these feelings, I think the biggest con that has been done to people who have same sex attraction, like I had married woman attraction. That's, that's what I had. I had married woman attraction. Those were my feelings at the time. Those were my feelings. The, the married woman attraction is a sin and same-sex attraction. The attraction isn't necessarily the sin. Right? It's the next step. Sin can impregnate us and then gestate and, and then become something else. Altogether. And that's, that's, that's the danger. Relationships like that. But it's the denying of what, what the denying that this is a feeling, the con job that I think has been done with people who have same sex attraction 
is I think people have come and said, Kirk, this is you. In your beautiful note to me, you introduced yourself as I am a gay man. You're much more. You're, you're created by God Almighty. I assume that you're, you are a son of somebody's. Perhaps a brother. I consider you family to the show. But what the world has done is they've said, you are your feelings. And what that means is then to deny yourself the want of a feeling is to deny you being you. And in my case, had I been told, well, you are your feelings. Am I to go and say, hi, I'm Todd. I'm an adulterer. And if I were to accept those feelings and to act upon those feelings and assuming this woman was willing to do that, what then do I buy myself? Well, first I harm another, her husband, and then harm her. And this gets to the crux of this, of course, because you can come to me and say, but Todd, I don't share your belief in God. Very well. Then in that case, you are at a do as you will place. You don't strike me as a do as you will guy. Because you've been talking here about, I don't want to see kids hormonally injected and surgically altered. So it it lends itself to one question. Does God exist? And if God exists, is he a God who is, as the deist would describe, he, he got the world going and then he stood aside. Do as you will. Entwined in us is the belief that stealing is wrong, the feeling that stealing is wrong. Entwined in us, cheating is wrong. If God exists as simply a deist, why would he leave behind any feelings of right and wrong? If God exists as the deist say, and he just set it all up and, and stood aside, why do we have, like, for instance, love of music? There's no evolutionary reason for us to have love of music. Why do we have love of film? There's no evolutionary reason for that. Why do we have feelings at all? Why aren't some of us just robotic? Why do we have a tendency to want to look up, all of us? Why is that? Why do we have a need for human contact? I mean, if God just set everything up and stood aside, why does he care about procreation? Because there's the word care. The Ten Commandments, as we go through them, are almost entirely, well, they're not almost entirely, they're entirely for our good. I think you would agree with everyone but the first. Honor God. But if the next nine all make sense, and they're a recipe for ultimately healthy living, what about the first one? God never said don't have feelings. 
God never said, don't feel like you want to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He didn't say, don't feel that way. He said, don't do it. And dealing with those feelings, brother, I don't know how to help you with that because I don't think you want to change. I could suggest a book called Holy Sexuality by Christopher Yuan, former drug dealer, big time drug dealer, federal charges, federal rap, federal prison. He was, he organized dance parties for gay men. He himself, same sex attracted. He became an icon in the community of same sex attracted men in, in Atlanta and then nationwide. His life fell apart. He turned to Jesus. And he ended up writing a book called Holy Sexuality. And what he says is, feelings are not identity. Feelings are emotions. Not all emotions need to be acted upon. And it is possible to live a fulfilling life absent sexual contact, but not absent love. For we must never think we can live a decent decent life absent love. We must never, ever do that. There's a company that's founded upon love. A lot of them are. This was a unique form of love. It's love of a father for his sons. It's Alan's Artisan Soaps. So Alan's sons, he has three sons, and Alan is the namesake and the chief soap officer of Alan's Artisan Soaps. Uh, these are uniquely scented soaps. I'm being very careful there because our good friend, um, the weasel, Jiu-Jitsu Weasel now has taken a picture of himself on Twitter eating, <laughs> taking a bite from a bar of, of Alan's Artisan Soaps. He wrote, I've come to love my Alan Soaps. Toddy Herman spent so much time talking about flavors of soap that I decided to give it a try. I don't make good morning decisions before my bone frog coffee. So there's the weasel. He took a bite of Alan's Soaps. He actually, it looks like he actually did take a bite. And he would do that. Uh, and he's got the Zen frog, bone frog coffee there. So two of our partners and Alan's artisan soaps. Um, yeah, it's, it is not flavors. It's scents. The reason it seems like flavors is because so many of them are named after food. They're very, very unique. And Alan, the chief soap officer, 11 years old, works every single day at Alan's Soaps. So profoundly impacted by um, being on the autism spectrum and some other big time health concerns that would put a lot of people in bed for the rest of their lives. Not Alan, because his dad won't have it. Alan works every day at the soap company. And his favorite soap is the watermelon basil. Why? Because it reminds him of a afternoon or two or a hundred in the kitchen with his beloved grandma. I've got a note from her. What a beautiful woman. So intelligent. Great letter. Got to return that letter. Um, that he, he wants you to have that same experience. So here's all we ask. I know soap is an intimate thing. I understand cleaning your body is an intimate thing. Simply go to alanssoaps.com, A-L-A-N-S, soaps.com. Know you're supporting a company that employs people like Alan because they want to build more companies like this that support other people like Alan. Try the soaps. If they're not terrific, don't do it again. But if they're terrific, sign up for a subscription plan, alanssoaps.com. Oh, man. 
Yeah, nothing like starting with the hard questions first. Uh, Kirk, man, I so appreciate you writing to me. From Proverbs, uh, also Proverbs 27, this 17 through 27. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Those who guard a fig tree will eat its fruit. And whoever protects the master will be honored. As water reflects the face of one's life, reflects the heart. Death and destruction are never satisfied, neither are human eyes. The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but people are tested by the praise. Oh, by their praise, pardon me. Though you grind a fool in mortar, grinding them like the grain with a pestle, you will not remove their folly from them. Refinement. Removing the dross, removing the waste, getting to refinement. Friends of good spirits, of good intent, help friends. That's what we do. This is a note from Shay. Shay's been with us a long time on the program and on the radio show. Hi, Todd. I've been listening to your show since hearing you on Rush. I work from home, so you've become a daily future, a fixture around here during my workday since Rush went to be with the Lord. I used to listen to the full three hours. Shh, don't let my husband know. I pray God continues to bless as he already has your podcast, but I'm going to take a break. Here's why. While they understand our government has lied through their teeth for the past two years, can't trust them at all, I can't handle your conversation about hearing Putin's side of the story. There's nothing a tyrannical dictator could say that could justify these actions, regardless of how corrupt our government is. I'm sure I'll be back. I still love you. God bless. Um, thank you for that, Shay. And I did write back to Shay and told her I was going to be reading her note on the air, absent her last name. So, Shay... I addressed this earlier in the week, so I don't want to go as deep into it as I did with Kirk because I have addressed it. I am simply saying this. I am done with the media as the gatekeepers of knowledge. I'm done with them with the filters as the filters of opinion. Whenever I see them saying, you don't get to see that, I'm going to say, no, I'm going to go look at that. Anytime I see social media say, you don't get to see that tweet, I'm going to go find it. Anytime there's a video that's been disappeared, I'm going to seek it. Now, if it's newsworthy, clearly if it's some, you know, gross act of a child being harmed, I'm not going to go seek that or pornography. I'm not going to seek that. But if it's a newsworthy item, I am going to seek it. My message is less about the message of Putin. There's nothing Putin can say to me to convince me he's not a dictator, a thief, a murderer, a liar, and a tyrant. He's all those things. And he also leads a country, a great big one. He's the boss, the dictator of Russia. If in his lies, there are drops of truth, such as we were trying to put Ukraine into NATO. And if it turns out that, in fact, Putin for 15 years said, if you do that, I will invade and destroy. Then we have something of more complete knowledge, of more context. Then we can be saying, "Okay, we'll go to war in Ukraine or we'll back Ukraine with weapons. But Victoria Newland is out She's out. She performed a coup. She's done. We can say, okay, we're going to provide arms to Ukraine, but the actual Nazi groups there, they're done. So, Zelensky, you want our money? You want our arms? Then you get done with these actual Nazi groups that the CIA, according to Oliver Stone, had been backing in a series of color, color revolutions around Russia to destabilize things. If we have caused this destabilization... Then we get to go and say, okay, fine, you'll have our weapons. We'll defend the sovereignty of the Ukrainian people. 
But we want actual elections after this from the Ukrainian people, not as gamed by the CIA. We want to be out of the business of using government assets to set brother against brother and sister against sister. We want to be out of the business of causing harm and disorder in countries. We do not want to come to do that to create hatred with our money. It's bad enough it's being done in our schools. So if there is a tiny little glimpse of a, of a truth within the lies of Putin, then I want to be able to approach that. I want to be able to deal with that. I want that knowledge. It belongs to us. That's why I think that I, well, that's what I'm trying to say in saying, I want to hear Putin's side of the story. It's not because I value Vladimir Putin. I don't value Joe Biden. It's because I value truth. And you can't get to truth when one side says you don't get to see that. So my message is really more for the media and the deep state and government that, guys, I don't trust your analysis. You have shown me to not trust it. So since you're spending my money, I want to have some insight on how it's being spent and by whom. And if the people who are getting to spend the money were involved in any way, shape, matter, idea, faction or form in causing a coup in Ukraine, then I don't want them being responsible for any of the spending at all. I don't want them to benefit from it career-wise or to have walking around money to hand out to their former State Department cronies. I don't want to back that. That's what I'm saying. Shay, I love you too. Thank you for the note. See, this is iron sharpening iron. I can use the same picture for this. So in this really cool picture that Jiu-Jitsu Weasel took... A jiu-jitsu weasel is a, is a big time, uh, he's a jiu-jitsu guy, law enforcement, retired military. So um, if he wants to, he can break you with a couple of fingers. I know this to be true. So I love the picture of the tough man taking a bite of soap. And right there, he's got Zenfrog. Now, this says something. Okay, bonefrog.us. It's veteran-founded, veteran-run. Tim Cruikshank, the founder and CEO, is a 25-year Navy veteran and Navy SEAL. And I tried that roast, that same roast, because I was on the air with Tim when we brought him on as a partner. And I was saying, yeah, but don't don't come to me with your light roast. And he said, Todd, listen to me. Our light roast is not what you think. When we talk coffee with Bonefrog, yep, there's the Bonefrog logo. That is a way of putting in people's minds our fallen seal families, right? And to support them, proceeds from sales go to help support these families. That's an iconic logo in the Navy SEAL community, the Bonefrog. But the coffee is king because if you don't love the coffee, don't buy it. All I ask is that you buy it, try it and love it. If you do sign up for a subscription plan. So when Tim heard, I didn't like the light roast. He goes, no, 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 try it. It's not what you think. They had a legendary coffee roaster, both mentor them and do some of their, uh, do some of the work. So Tim actually said, uh, do some of the roasting. Tim actually said, I'm going to send you the light roast. At least try it. It's like, I'll try it. I had to eat my words. I had to go back to Tim and say, this is actually delicious. So to see big, tough jujitsu weasel, and we'll put this up on the Substack page so you guys can see this. It's a funny photo. To see big, tough jujitsu weasel taking a drink of the Zen Frog, the light roast. If he can dig the light roast, you can dig the light roast. The website is bonefrog.us. It's bonefrog.us. Remember the .us should be easy since it's a veteran-owned company. All right, back to the, um, man, this is first Kirk, now Shay. 
Well, maybe we could find an email that's a little bit less tough to handle. Uh, let's see. Dear Mr. Herman, I first listen. Please call me Todd, you guys. Please, please. I, I first listened to you when you filled in for um, the dearly departed forever missed Rush, Mr. Mr. Rush Limbaugh. May he rest in peace. My thumbs would be uh, wear out before I could write all the things I want to tell you. However, brevity demands sacrifice. When I first began listening to you, I liked how you always brought God into the equation and normalized speaking his name. However, during this time, I was heavily backslidden and choosing sin and lies over God's liberty and truth. In listening to you, my attitude towards God began to shift, so much so that I'm now a Jesus needer. Love it. I am so grateful for the wonders and change God has worked in my life since I began opening my heart up to his truth, and in part because I was listening to your show. I was being confronted with God's truth and could no longer deny the Holy Spirit. I've learned so much and grown so much in my faith as a direct result of your ministry. Thank you for loving God and speaking truth. May God bless you and you and yours and all keep you always. Most respectfully, James Keller. P.S. I was 27 when I started listening to you for uh, for two years now. I I am 27. Been listening to you for two years now. Wow, started when you were 25. Hey, that is, uh, for me, James, that, how do I even describe how that feels? I remember when I began listening to Rush, so many of the lessons that he taught me, the key one being the following. He said, never let someone who didn't tell you you can't. That was big. That he said, there's a lot of ways to get to success. It doesn't all involve the same path. Not everybody's meant to go to college. Not everybody's meant to pursue that way to get to success. I remember that. Um, I remember, well, I mean, I could go on for on and on and on for the things that Rush told me, but to be included in that circle, well, that's mind blowing. I would ask you this. Remember that it was God who brought us together. That anything that has helped bring you to God that can only happen through the Holy Spirit that has nothing to do with me. I am a clay vessel. You can put any God can use any unformed, uninteresting clay pot to help. That's what he does. He uses clay pots. He uses all of us. So I love hearing this. I love that God has blessed you as you've made this turn into becoming a Jesus needer. And I just ask you this. Are you ready for the Great Commission? So I'm going to challenge you. Because God challenged me. And it's this. Are you ready to make disciples? Are you ready to go out and undertake the Great Commission? And the Great Commission is now go and create disciples based upon the blessing you've been given. And I just appreciate the note to have you this long. Thank you so much. Mr. Herman, once again, please call me Todd. I truly hope this email finds you and yours doing well, that you had a great weekend. I would appreciate it if this interaction weren't shared on the podcast. Oh, okay. I won't share it on the podcast. Sorry about that. No sharing it on the podcast. All right. I'll go up down this one. I've been putting this one off. Okay. Again, when I met my wife, all other women disappeared. Again. But I think this is an important note. So I met my wife. You know the story about how we met. You know that we fell very quickly in love. You know that I wasn't discipled. You know that we went through a period of time where we were broken up because we were living against God's law. God revealed that to me by saying, oh, okay, well, now that you've prayed and said, clarify my relationship with your, uh, your girlfriend, okay, you guys are going to break up. 
because it's not godly. You know, that was a tremendously hard time for me. You know that I love my wife. You know that I'm faithful to my wife. And prior to meeting my wife, yes, I dated other people. (laughs) All right, there we go. This is from Corey, a female in South Lake Jordan, Utah. Todd, your wife mentions crazy exes, LOL. We all have them. You've always been really honest with us. Care to tell us a story too about crazy exes? Love your show and focus on the Lord. Corey Female in South Lake Jordan, Utah. Um, now, I'm not going to talk out of school about other people given names. I will tell you this, that when I became discipled, I went And I was reading a book called um, Experiencing God, and it's a workbook. And the point of experiencing God is to find the work God is doing around you. Because God wants a loving relationship with us. He wants to have a loving relationship with us. And the way he gets to know people is he works with them. So he shows you, hey, here's this work that's going on around me. You can join in. And then working with God, interacting with God, you come to understand God in better ways, the same way we do when we toil with another. Now, work isn't toil for God. Everything's easy, but it's toil for us. This has replaced by thinking of, I used to think God has a plan for me. Yeah, God's plan is I'm going to show you the work I'm doing and give you an opportunity to get involved. And in so doing, get to know me and then become closer to me and then have a love relationship with me. So as I was reading this book, I became convicted of something that, that, that was in the book. It said, God's not going to give you the next challenge until you complete the last challenge, right? If God's told you to do something and you didn't do it, hey, he's not going to give you more work. Why would he? So I was convicted while reading this book that there were people I treated in an ungodly way. Not, not an abusive way. I've never been that way to women ever. I've never been abusive because I, that's just not, it's not how I behave. Thank God. So far from talking about crazy exes, how about crazy me? Crazy me at the time, I was the crazy one. And yeah, I dated some women who had some problems. I went on an apology tour. I called people. I told my wife, I said, would it be okay with you if I made contact once with some women I dated, the following names, to apologize for treating them in an ungodly fashion, being too intimate prior to marriage, because obviously I'm only married to my wife. And she gave me permission to do that. And so I did it. And then I shared with her, bam, I had this conversation. It's a short list. I'm so happy to see people doing well. I'm so happy to see that everybody matures. I was particularly happy that a person I spoke with who isn't a believer, I asked her, would it be okay if I prayed for you? And she said, you know what? Yes. Because with you, I don't feel judged. With you, I don't feel finger pointing at me. So yeah, from you, I would accept prayer. (laughs) And I say, well, I'd be judging both of us. 
So now, Corey, I don't want to talk about crazy exes. I want to talk about crazy times. I want to be very thankful for the fact that I've had a stable relationship and then a marriage for decades, decades. I want to be thankful for all of that. Hey, coming up tomorrow, we're going to talk with a pastor who has a lawsuit against Jay Inslee, the dictator of Washington state for trying to make churches pay for abortions for their employees. It's so good to see people standing up because this is the only way things really get changed is if people stand up. That leads me to my last note, Marcus. Dear Todd, my name is Marcus. I'm 41 years old and attend a church in the Seattle area. Recently, the church has made the decision that people who are not injected, as you would say, get to watch on Zoom while people who are injected get to come into the church I think this is a reason for me to finally leave this church. I do believe it's become unbiblical. I won't go into detail because it would identify the church, but do you think the vaccinated, he put that in quotes, vaccinated versus quote unvaccinated is issue enough to leave the church? Love your program, Marcus. Yes, I do. It's not an easy answer. It's just the one I've thought about a lot. Your pastor is doing something we're never to do. He is dividing the body of Christ Jesus. Your pastor has seen fit to chop off a part of the body of Christ. Your pastor has brought politics and nothing more into the house of God. Now, I just mentioned the young pastor who's suing Jay Inslee to not be forced to pay for abortions. Isn't that bringing politics in? No, it's keeping politics out. I know there's churches that are quite political. One of my good friends is a pastor in this area, and and he has some politics in his church. He is a fine man, and he is a God-loving Christian man. I believe he's going on the express train to heaven. I don't think there is one. I think everyone who goes goes at the same time. Right, the same, same time rate, same time rate, speed, I should say. My point of view on this, Marcus, is take the church into politics. The moment you bring politics into a church, it is only a moment of time before it's divided, truly. Really? Yes. Because you could bring in an issue like, like you could bring in masking, where it's already divided. Yeah, but Todd, what if it's just a religious, you know, thing? Well, then it's not politics. If it affects the word of God, it's not politics. Okay, then let's have our church, let's have our church be the Second Amendment church. Okay. How many rounds in the magazines? Which makes and models? I guarantee those arguments will come. And if they don't, then someone comes and says, hey, you know what? We need to be the Social Security church. Really? What should be the rate? What age do you vest and be able to draw benefits? What age? You start to bring into the body of Christ debates that can only divide. Instead, take what we learn in church, the body of Christ, into politics. That's the thing that needs to be changed. The church needs to be preserved. The church needs to be restored. 
on topics of redemption, redemption-based issues, period. It's the world that needs us. We don't need the world in our church. We are, we are the, the exiled elect. Let's not bring the world from which we're exiled into our churches. So, yes, Marcus, uh, I do think that what your pastor has done is reason for you to leave the church. Just don't trash it on the way out, please. Just leave. Because let's not ourselves be involved in dividing the body of Christ. All right. That was hard. I feel a little exhausted. Thank you so much for iron sharpening iron. Thank you so much for the, the wounds of a friend. Thank you for being truthful with us on the program. We're always thankful for you. Now, please go be well, be strong, be kind, and let's all pray that we do not divide the body of Christ. The Supreme Court rejects 14th Amendment arguments for kicking Trump off the ballot. The Biden administration admits secretly flying 320,000 illegals into the country last year, and some unhinged never-Trumpers want to ruin the lives of people seeking a no-labels third-party candidate. I'm Greg Columbus. Join Jim Garrity of National Review and me each weekday for the Three Martini Lunch podcast. We'll give you the good, bad, and crazy news of the day, and hopefully a lot of laughs, too. Follow the Three Martini Lunch on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.